0: Here. Good, morning. good morning. How's everybody doing today? I'm not Adam. <laughs> Adam decided to take a vacation, so he's going to Cancun. Isn't that nice? And he even took his wife. They're going to have a good old time. Yeah, okay. Why don't we stand as we join in and sing to God be the glory? We're sure glad you're here today. Glory great things he had done. God. I thought
1: Good morning. I have a helper today. This is Asher. He's going to help me do announcements. Welcome to Emmanuel Baptist Church. We're super glad that you guys are all here today and online. Um, today we are observing the Lord's Supper. That's going to be later in the service. What is the Lord's Supper? It is the symbolic act of obedience where members of the church through partaking of bread and fruit of the vine, memorializing the death of the Redeemer and anticipated of his second coming. So it's really an honor to get to do that, and we're going to, get to do that today. For those of you guys online, you just want to grab some juice and crackers later. All right, okay, so we have baptismal robes, brand new ones, sparkly, white, so pretty. You guys will want to maybe, you know, bring some people in, and let's get them to know Jesus so they can get in that water, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Wednesday night is prayer and share night at 630. Next Sunday is Super Bowl, the Chiefs and the Eagles. I won't tell you who I'm for because the Steelers aren't in it, so I had to pick somebody else. It's fine. But it's going to be fun, fellowship and friendship, food, fellowship, fun, all the F words that I can think of, all the fun that we're going to (laughs) have. Not funny. Valentine's (laughs) dinner the youth are doing a valentine's dinner and it is going to be a great time i've done it in the past it is super fun delicious food the youth serve us it is so great and it's just nice to you know get to be with your hubby or your your one another you know you can have fun and sit together and just enjoy that time that's valentine's dinner february 18th at 6. pinewood derby okay Sean. pinewood derby cars look how fancy that one is whoo We are going to have a Pinewood Derby race, and that is on March the 4th. We're super excited to do that. Um, I think that is all that I have today. So, Mike, Corden, if you would come up and lead us in prayer. So, back to the Pinewood Derby really quick. We have a a collection of lots of cars, and uh, if you're really nice, we might give you a slow one to use. Um, (laughs) But... uh, Lori and I are, aren't going to be here that day, so I'll make sure that our children have the fast ones. So so let's go ahead and bow uh, your heads in for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this day. Just thank you for the opportunity that we can come together with fellow believers and have the opportunity to not only worship together, but just hear the, uh, the message that's been laid upon Pastor Cliff's heart today to speak to us. We just want to be with the uh, tithes and offerings that will be given today as well, that they might further your kingdom as well, and just be with those that are unable to be here today and bring them back to your house again. In your name, amen.
0: I talk a little slower than my daughter, (laughs) so if you need some interpretation of what she said, because I'll have to get it at home. (laughs) <laughs> okay victory in Jesus why don't we all stand up as we sing I heard an old old story how a savior came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a. rest Precious words atoning. Then I repented of my sins. about his healing of his cleansing by revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and the victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love about a mansion he has built for me in glory and I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day I'll sing of their a song of victory oh victory Silver. Maybe seated.
2: Good to worship together, good to sing together. So today we're going to continue on in the book of Esther. We're going to cover chapters 4 and 5, and uh, not all of 5. So you'll see that as we read along. We'll do some running commentary as we walk through that, talk about what we see there. Because this book is that book that doesn't mention God's name. And so how does it relate to us? How do we see God at work? And I think that's the challenge for us as we look at the book of Esther. How does it intercept with our life? Because it's a really great story. Really it is, right? I mean, the girl becomes queen and everybody's life saved. Okay? I mean, that, that's just a good story. We like that story. But how does it play? How many of you plan on being queen? Okay? Yeah. All right. So so I got some raised hands and you at home too. All right. It would be great to be queen, I guess. Uh, All right. I'm I'm not qualified. (laughs) Just going to go there. So what I want to do is as we look at this, how does it intersect with our lives? And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So if you did the 30 days of understanding God, and I've got more books if you want to do that. This is the return era. Okay, it follows the exile era, and this is the return era. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther talk about that along with some prophets. So let's talk about where we're at in the book of Esther. Let's talk about where we're at. We get to take a little road trip. We're not leaving any place, but we're going to take a little road trip and go someplace else. And we're going to go to Susa, which is now Iran. And it is the, it's the main capital of the Persian Empire at this time. Uh, you can read about it. As, uh, Susa's mentioned other places other than here in the book of Esther. It's also mentioned in Ezra in Nehemiah and Daniel. Here's a little map just so we got a reference point for those of you. We've been showing this over here on this side with the red dot. That is Susa or, or Sush. That's where the story takes place. Now, what's interesting about this is they've already been back. To Jerusalem, the, the, the first uh, of the exiles that returned back, they've already been back. And we'll talk a little bit about the time in just a moment. But they're back over in Jerusalem. That's where God's at work, right? But we're going to see that God's not just at work in Jerusalem, He's at work in Susa. And if He's at work in Susa, He's at work in work in, in a lot of other places around everywhere, right? He's not just the God of Sus, or Susa or, or Shash or Jerusalem, He's the God of everything. And so that's what we're going to come across here. I also note here why you're here that the Persian empire would have been everything you see. Pretty much the Persian empire would have been everything you see and more. Not all of the Persian empire is up there. So you get kind of get an idea of the vastness of the empire. Let's talk a little bit about the time. When did this take place? Uh, it was during King Ahasuerus or Xerxes reign? They figure that she became queen about 479. That Esther became queen. The exiles, the first returns had been in 536. So long before Esther becomes queen, the Jewish people have already headed back to Jerusalem. The temple was rebuilt in 516. Nehemiah is going to show up in Nehemiah 1:1 1, 1 starts in Susa. And he comes much later, and that means the walls haven't been rebuilt. Now, I want you to think about this, and I'm going to point this out today, is when we talk about the, the Jews being back in Jerusalem, remember, even though they're a long way away from Susa, they are still in the Persian Empire. That's going to be important, okay? They're still in the Persian Empire, even though they're hundreds of miles away. Even though they're hundreds of miles away, they're still in the Persian Empire. Let's talk a little bit about the outline that we've been walking through as we've walked through. We talked about in the first chapter, preparing for the future, and first and second chapter, preparing for the future. You and I usually react to problems, just how it works. Now, we often, because we react to things, we think that God also does the same. We'll talk about that today. Want to make a clarification on that as we walk through there. The problems revealed, and that's when Haman puts out the decree that all the Jews are going to be killed in all of the empire. And that includes back in Jerusalem and beyond. So just think about that. That's the point that I wanted to make clear there. In this chapter this today we're going to talk about seeking a solution next week will be the reversal of the roles and then finally the solution as the book of esther ends there in the 10th chapter what's the parallel what do i see here that that helps me understand my life today what do i see happening back in 479 bc that's a long time ago you know you're great great i don't know how many greats you'd have to get back to there right but anyway it's a long time ago so what's the parallel In this book, we discover that Esther has a problem. Esther has a problem. We often have problems. Anybody? Let's just simplify it. Is anybody without problems today? We're all going to be jealous of you, right? I mean, you got some problem. May not be a huge problem, but you got something. So here's the thing: when we have a problem, we usually figure out how how are we going to fix it. Okay, that's the issue. How are we going to fix that problem? And we're going to look today at what they do, now that they know they have a problem. We'll we'll start that out in the fourth chapter. Now that they know they have a problem, what are we going to do to fix the problem? What are we going to do to fix the problem? You know, whatever it might be, what are we going to do to fix the problem? You got a flat tire, what are you going to do to fix the problem? You got a water leak, what are you going to do to fix the problem? In this case, it's their lives that they're going to that's the problem the threat on their lives is the problem and what are they going to do to fix it let's pick it up in esther chapter four we're going to read the first four verses to start with we'll read all the way through but we're going to read the first four verses we start i'm in the new american standard you can follow along on the screens if you're online it's down here you can follow along in the bible app or in your bibles that you have okay whether they're paper or electronic okay so When Mordecai, remember he's the Jewish guy, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and wailed loudly and bitterly. He went as far as the king's gate, for no one was to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. In each and every province where the command and decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. Then Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her, and the queen writhed in great anguish. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept them. So, they find out they got a problem. How do they, and how, what's their initial response to the threat on their lives? Because this decree went out. They, you know, Somebody hit the send button in King Ahasuerus' kingdom. They hit the send button, and it went out. It wasn't as fast as sending your email, but it went out. Nevertheless, throughout the kingdom, all the writers, all the messengers carried that out, and the news spread out. How did they respond when they read that? How did they respond when they read that? It says that they they were mourning. It says that they were weeping, they were wailing, and they put on sackcloth and ashes. That's their initial reaction. You have been there too haven't you? When you have a problem your initial reaction is kind of emotional and you react with mourning and wailing and weeping and You know, it it just breaks you down in tears. That's honestly the way you respond is with that that mourning and weeping and wailing that they just participated in. You probably didn't put on sackcloth and ashes. You might have put on some comfortable clothes and grabbed a cup of coffee. I don't know how you responded. But you did that initial response is usually emotional, usually emotional. Now, as we walk through this, we're going to see this mourning and weeping and wailing come back into play, this this idea of fasting that they go into. You're going to see that come into play. But I want you to to think of it this term. The initial part when I look at this is kind of an emotional reaction. Unless you're two, crying usually doesn't fix it. Okay? Okay? But oftentimes that's our God-given initial response is to respond emotionally. And that's what Mordecai does, okay? We know, he knows he has a problem. He's in sackcloth and ashes at the king's gate as far as he could go because he he wants to let everybody know what's going on. And so do the rest of them. And that's not a bad thing. The idea of making other people aware of the problem. That's not the solution completely, but that's part of the solution. That awareness of it. Let me ask you, if you have a problem and you ignore it, then it goes away, right? Yeah, you understand that. So we can't ignore the problem, but we've got to deal with it. And this may be the very first thing that we do. This is the very first thing that we see Mordecai and the rest of the Jews respond is with that. Let's read on and see what happens As Esther now has become aware of this. So pick it up in the fifth verse. Then Esther summoned Haddock from the king's eunuchs, whom the king had appointed to attend her and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Apparently at this point she doesn't understand the sackcloth and ashes. Verse 6, so Haddock went out to Mordecai to the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict which had been issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show Esther and inform her and to order her to go into the king, to implore his favor and plead and to plead with them for her people. Haddock came back and related Mordecai's words to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Haddock and, set and ordered him to reply to Mordecai. All the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court, who is not summoned, he has but one law, that he be put to death unless... The king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. They related Esther's words to Mordecai. So now she sent somebody out to see why is Mordecai in sackcloth. What's the deal? Because apparently in the queen didn't get the send button. Okay, She didn't get the same message. But but she got it, and so now she knows. And Mordecai is employing her to go. But you, need, you, you need to go before the king. You need to go say something to the king. That's exactly what he's asking her to do. And she says, he's not called for me. And if he doesn't call for me, I don't go. Because if I show up and he doesn't want to see me, Well, it's the end for me. It's the end for me. I've not been summoned. Have you ever had a problem that wasn't your problem? Or at least you didn't think it was your problem? And somebody implored you to become involved in their problem that wasn't your problem until now. We usually respond the same way that she did. We give an excuse, or in this case, a very valid reason, right? How many of you, how many of you have ever just given a lame excuse for not helping somebody? <laughs> yeah, some of you are honest, all right? <laughs> okay. How many of you have given a, a downright good, authentic reason for not helping? Yeah, that, that we've done, right? I mean, I can't help. My, I don't want to die. Okay? I mean that, that sounds like a valid reason for not helping somebody out. We run into that. The 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 um our nominating committee, they get these all the time, right? <laughs> come, come. Hey, we need your help over here. It's not my problem. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I got some excuse for not doing that. But that, we do that from time to time. I really don't want to help out. You know, when we when we read the story of the The good Samaritan. How many guys passed by the the, the guy on the road? Well, every one of them had an excuse for not helping. And when we get to this thing here, we get to this problem that all the Jews are going to be killed, and she becomes aware of it, and Mordecai says, hey, you need to do something about it. You need to get involved. Esther responds, as we often do, as I do. Okay, I I can't get involved. It, it, you know, this is this, really, it's a legitimate excuse I, I, or a reason that I can't get involved, whatever it might be. And so we want to back away from the situation. We want to push away and we, I, I'll, we'll use this, right? I'll pray for you. Whether we do or not. If you're going to pray for him, pray for him now. Let them know and see that, that you're going to pray for them. And then pray about whether you need to be involved or not. But this is how we see we have a problem, and then how are we going to respond to that problem? One is we're going to be emotional about it. Two is we're going to distance ourselves from us from it and give our excuses or reasons why we can't just jump in there and help to take care of the problem. At this point, we're just going to distance ourselves. Let's read on and see what Mordecai's responses and also consequently what Esther's responses to his. The 13th verse. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. This back and forth, right? Told them to reply to Esther. Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews because she's Jewish. For if you remain silent at this time Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. This is the verse that we know, right? Read it again. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows? "...whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this." Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, "...go assemble all the Jews who were found in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish." So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded and commanded him. So we read here, this is is kind of like the pinnacle of of the book of Esther, right? This who knows. Uh, If you don't do it, God's going to raise somebody else up. That's confidence that God is going to deliver, whether it's through Esther or somebody else. I, do we have that same kind of confidence when we're saved, when we're facing a problem, that God is going to raise up somebody to be that deliverer? That's exactly what Mordecai had. Oftentimes, I'm going to say, when we face problems, we don't see, we don't always have that kind of faith that Mordecai had to go into it, and we need to have that kind of faith that when we look around at our problems, know that when we bring them to God, God is able to deliver. To have that same kind of Just faith and knowledge. God is going to take care of it. Here's the the thing, though, that when he says, who knows? We followed the story where in the beginning chapter, Queen Vashti refused to come out and be paraded around in front of everybody for whatever reason. And she's no longer queen. And they passed a Vashti edict, their law, so nobody else would stand their husband up. But now he's got no queen. And he needs a queen. So lo and behold, as we read through the process, Esther is the one that's chosen. He, she found favor with the king. And so this orphaned Jewish girl named Esther, actually ends up as the queen. Well, that's, hey, great for her. That's a nice story. Mordecai goes on doing Mordecai. Mordecai actually spared the king's life because he overheard something, relayed it back. They found it to be true and hung those two guys on the gallows. Then we read the story about Haman because Haman's not happy because Mordecai, again, won't bow down to Haman as everybody else was. So now Haman doesn't want to just take Mordecai out, he wants to take all these people out because he found out he was Jewish. And there's that history between the Amalekites, of which he was, and the Israelite people, and God's promise to take them out. Okay, God's promise to take those people out. Where Saul didn't do what Saul was supposed to do. You can kind of make a connection even to here, but up until this point, it's just kind of a—it's a, a, well, just, just a side note in life that Esther became queen. Good for her, but that seems to be the end of the story. Now, when this threat comes and she's in the king's court and has access to the king, now Mordecai says to her. If you don't do it, somebody, God's going to raise somebody else up. And then he uses that phrase, who knows? In other words, the light clicks on. Maybe this is why you have been chosen as queen. Maybe God is going to use you now at this point. And what we see, it's the first time in the book of Esther that we kind of get idea that God is at work. Who knows? We're, we're looking at the situation. Wow. God, God God, may be at work now. It's time to get excited because he made you queen. Look at that. But I want you to understand, as we talked about back in the first cha- chapter, God prepared for a problem before we knew it was a problem. So God isn't just reacting to the problem. God already was at work acknowledging that there was a problem. He knew the future. He knows your future. He knows the problems that are going to come your way before you know those problems. So when we look at that, we go, who knows? Who knew God was at work? Well, God was already at work before you realized it. That's what I, When I, when I capture this verse, that's what I want us to know is that God has already been at work, and I want us to be aware that in your life, you may not see it because God's name's not stuck on a sticky note attached to every area of your life, but God is working in your life. God knows what's going on, and we need to have that same that that that, that attitude that even if I can't can't see it, to know the faith, to know that God is at work. I may not understand all of the maneuverings. I may not understand where all the pieces are falling in. But hindsight will allow me to step back and say, Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, God, for being involved in my life, even when I didn't think I needed it. Usually we cry out to God, one, when the problem becomes severe and we can't fix it. We go on to read Esther's response. Because she hears what Mordecai says. She acknowledges that this may be the very reason that I am here. And what does she say? What's her her response to Mordecai? She says to fast for me. Ask for it three days and three nights. Sometimes fasting is a way of mourning And that's how it appears to be in the first part of the fourth chapter, that it's that emotional mourning, weeping, wailing, fasting kind of thing, much like David did when he lost his son. He just was in that mourning process and he fasted then to the point that they were concerned about his health. When I read here about Queen Esther asking them to fast, to me it's less emotional and it's more purposeful. Because in what she says here, I want you to fast and gather all the Jews in Susa. So she's not asking for something, in, you know, don't gather all the Jews in all the kingdom, but right here you grab all the Jews and you come together and you fast. We're going to fast. I and my maidens are going to fast. and I don't know that they were all Jewish in, in, in her, in her uh, workplace, her, her maidens. So It's more purposeful. It happens in Ezra and it happens in Nehemiah, same time period. They fasted and they sought God out. They sought God out, His direction in what was going on. I want you to think about that. Oftentimes, when we're faced with a problem, Our first response is not to seek God out. YouTube gets more hits than God does. Tell you a little story. And this is Dr. Hammond was his name. He's gone now. But I was in his New Testament class and he worked in a print shop when it wasn't a a printer on a desktop. It was one of those things they ran the college paper through, and uh, and he lost a piece when there was a deadline. Now, you have things that when you miss a piece, it won't work anymore. That's exactly what this was. It's like it's like not having the keys to your car. Nothing's going on till you find the keys. And so what did he do when he lost it? It dropped and hit the floor. And and he said, I looked for it. I got down on my hands and knees. I'm looking for this little bitty piece that's keeping the print and press from working. And he did what we did. We try on our own. And then he said, after looking and and looking and looking again and, and becoming exasperated by the search... He said, I stopped and I prayed. When I finished praying, opened my eyes, there it was. Okay, prayer was answered after he looked to God to do it. But before that, in his own efforts, it was futile. And so we need to have that. We, we're different from the rest of the world, right? Many of the people out there live without the knowledge of God. You and I know that God is real. You and I know that Jesus is real. You and I know that He died for our sins. You know that He's involved in our everyday life, and you know that you know, and I know that if we seek God out, we're not just talking to thin air. We're talking to a living, breathing God who's still active in our lives. And so, when we pray to Him, when we focus our efforts on Him, when we we that that's what fasting and, and is about is the idea of focusing on Him. When we focus on Him, He'll give us that answer. And so that's exactly what they did. That's the lesson that we need to learn from this, is too often we try to fix it. We don't want to bother God because God's busy. God is busy. God's everywhere. He knows your problems, my problems, and He knows somebody on the other end of the earth, He knows what their problems are. And He's able to answer... All of us at the same time, bigger than you and I, beyond our comprehension. So they fast and they seek God out in that. Let's pick it up in the fifth chapter and see what she does next. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes, stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance of the palace. When the king saw Esther, now remember, this is that point, she's going to live or die. When the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter, which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Then the king said to her, what is troubling you, queen Esther? And what is your request? Even the half of the kingdom, it shall be given to you. Esther said, if it pleases the king, may the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, bring Haman quickly that we may do as Esther desires. So the king and Haman came to the banquet which Esther had prepared. As they drank their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, what is your petition? And it shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even the half of the kingdom, it shall be done." So Esther replied, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and do what I request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king says. So after they fasted, this is the approach that Esther takes. I want you to think about that. It's a banquet. She invites them out for lunch. This is what she's done. Now, was that Esther's idea or was that God's leading? I want you to think about that. Because Esther had fasted and so had the other Jews in Susa. and this is what she decides to do. She's going to have a banquet. She's able to approach the king's scepter. She found favor with the king. That must have been because she put on his favorite perfume and his favorite dress. Think about it. Because too often when we see things like this happen, we give credit to people instead of to God. So as we walk through the book of Esther, when she's standing before the king, who put her in front of the king? Who gave her the courage to stand in front of the king? Who helped her decide that was the thing that she needed to do? When the king saw her and she found favor, was God at work in that moment? Was God at work in the banquet decision and in the subsequent invite to another banquet? Those are the kind of things that we've got to have confidence that God is able to work in these ways, these ways that may not seem all that flashy, right? Because what we'd really like is for, oh, one of our, our fighter jets to come along and take Haman out, right? That would fix the problem. But that's not God's way. And so God is at work here as Esther stands, as Esther goes to the king. As Esther stands before the king and he puts out the scepter, and she puts her hand on it. As he rallies, he says, go and get Haman, we're going to lunch. We're going to this banquet. God is at work in this moment. And God is at work in not asking the patience not to, to ask the first time, but to ask the second time because things needed to happen before the ask came. Do we have that patience? Here's what I want to talk about for our action. So, What are we going to do now that we've read the fourth and fifth chapters, part of the fifth chapter of Esther? A story that we know well, a story that sometimes we've relegated to a kid's story. But it's a story about God working in adult lives, a lot, live adults like you and I. What was our initial reaction when we had a problem? Want you think about that? When you had a problem, think back to your last big problem. What was your initial response? Be honest with yourself, because having read what we've read, having listened to what we did today, you're going well. I saw, I saw as soon as I, as soon as the problem hit my front door, I God help me. Be honest, okay? Because that's how we learn. Was our solution the same as God's? Because when we face a problem, we often then figure out what we need to do. Was our solution, we don't know what Esther Esther first didn't plan on getting involved. Was our solution the same as God's? And lastly, this. This is refrigerator material. Your answer is refrigerator material. How would you seek God's solution? Because you may have Not a major problem in your life right now. But when that problem comes, what are you going to do? And maybe you ought to start by practicing on the little problems. Because oftentimes we relegate the little problems to take care of ourselves, then we only call God on the big problems. Let's work at seeking God out in all of our problems. Okay? We're going to stand, Charlie's going to come back and lead us in in a hymn, and this is an opportunity for you to respond, however you need to respond. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a problem and just don't know it. I want you to know that you need to be saved. We talked about the baptismal robes. That, that means when we dunk you under the water, it represents burial of old life in into new life. What that means is you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. If you've not done that, then I'd encourage you to come this morning and at least ask questions about what do I need to do? Secondly, you may want to come and pray for Somebody. It's not, that's okay. Pray for them. It may be praying for their salvation. It may be praying for how they're dealing with a problem as we looked at this passage of Scripture. It may be that you want to come and pray because you realize that you haven't given it to God. All right? And so let's deal with that. Okay? Let's deal with that. Maybe it is that you want to join the church. All right? Be a member. Be part of that. Talk a little bit about that as we get done, so you understand that. But whatever God is moving you to do, it may be to pray for something I didn't even touch on today. I'm not proud. I want you to respond to what God has been doing in your life. All right? Let Let's do that. Okay? Let's respond to how God is moving you in your life. Let's stand and let's sing. Please be seated. All right. We're, we're going to have the deacons come down forward, and we're kind of waiting for the kids from upstairs to show up. Right. We're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. I, um, Teresa kind of clued you in on what that's about. It is, it is one of the ordinances of our, of our church. And so in a moment, we're going to pass by the bread first, it's a little unleavened wafer Um, it's not meant to taste good not really meant to taste at all and then we're going to partake of that together we'll read some scripture and we'll partake of that together that bread represents the body of Christ that he gave for us then we'll, we'll Pass the cup. It's a cup of grape juice. All right. It's all it is, nothing fancy. And, and again, it's not enough to taste good or bad, all right? That cup we're gonna pass, we're gonna read some scripture and then we're gonna partake of together. But that cup represents the blood that Jesus shed for you and I. Hebrews tells us: without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so his blood becomes, my favorite word, the propitiation for our sins or the covering so that God doesn't see our sins. His blood covers that. And that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, I will say this, that you don't have to be a member of our church to participate. But what we do ask is if that you're not a believer, if you've not yet trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then we'd ask for you to refrain from doing that. Okay? You'll understand a little bit later, but understand that that's what we're going to ask. That's our ask of you today. And so the kids are coming in here. Thank you guys for coming down. We want to do this as a church family together. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. So, uh, Richard, if I could have you, why don't you and Michael come up and take the cover off? You got too much there, Michael. We didn't practice this part. the bread that represents the body. This is the solution, God's solution to our sin problem. Mark, would you lead us in a prayer of thanks for this? So the scripture we're going to read here is 1 Corinthians eleventh chapter, verses 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You hold in your hands now the cup that represents the blood that Jesus shed for you, the most precious commodity in all of the universe, because it is the only thing that provides for my forgiveness and for your forgiveness. And it's for that that we need to be thankful. Richard, would you lead us in prayer? Son, that might be able to uh, provide our forgiveness so
0: back to life a few days later we ask that in Jesus name..
2: Amen. Amen. So we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 11 chapter, continuing in verses 25 and 26. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. One more prayer. Father, thank you that we as your church family, we as the family of God can give thanks, Lord, for what you've done. We thank you that you loved us enough to send your son to die on the cross, that we might have forgiveness, that we might have hope for eternal life. Father, we pray that as we walk out of these doors, Lord, you would use us to be a light in the darkness, Father, to show your love, Father, to help people to understand about the bread and about the cup, about the body and the blood that Jesus gave on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the the readings for this week out of Exodus, Joshua, uh, 2 Corinthians, and um, that's not right. So I didn't change that, so I don't remember what it is, but watch. <laughs> I'll get the, if you get an email tomorrow, you'll get the right email, okay? It's not the right one. That I, he may fix it before we're done. So just know you've already heard the announcements about a couple of things coming up. Bring your whatever food you want to eat at the um, Super Bowl party. We'll do that next Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock we're going to have the banquet. You don't have to bring anything for that. Show up and they'll take care of you and look forward to that. We'll look forward to our youth participating in that. And then the other thing that we had was the Pinewood Derby. Now the Pinewood Derby, there's the verses that are right. See, if I knew if I talk long enough, which I'm really good at, he would fix that. So those are the readings for this week. Sorry. Um, the, The Pinewood Derby, uh, Michael's got a used car a lot, Steve's got a used car a lot, so you can rent a car for the day, okay? And uh, you won't rent a very fast car, okay, but you'll rent a sufficiently fast car, okay? You might look on there to see if he's put brakes on your car, okay? <laughs> and I think we have a few cars hanging around. we have also getting blocks, so if you want to just build a new car and blow us away with the new technology, you're going to do that. And, and know that we're going to have fun. And we're also going to have food, right? That means you guys have to participate. Even if you're not racing the car, we'd like you to bring maybe your favorite soup that you'd like to make and our, your favorite chili. And we'll have, they're going to have taste testers to see which chili wins, which soup wins. Okay? So know that we've got that. We're going to have a good time fellowship. The other thing that we haven't announced yet, and we're working on that, is uh, this sounds really not good, but I don't have any better way to put it, but it's membership day. And what we want to do is after church, go over to the other building, have some pizza, and then talk about what it means. Who is Emmanuel Baptist Church? What's it mean to be part of that? We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about baptism. We'll talk about the Lord's Supper. We'll talk about the Baptist faith and message. Uh, we'll talk about expectations. And, and as a member, we'll talk about, you'll get introduced to all of the deacons, all these guys up here. Maybe you don't know their names. That day you will know their name. Okay, that day you'll know their name, and Adam will be there too. He'll be sharing a little bit about what he does as he selects the music. Okay, he's not taking requests that day, but <laughs> but you just know that. And and what we want to do, I want to have fun doing that. Okay, I don't want to. I don't, we're not going to cover the whole Baptist Faith and Message. It's going to be um, you're going to get a uh, you're going to get a uh, drinking out of a fire hose kind of thing. So you're going to get that. We'll come back and we'll take time to do that. But I just want to introduce you because I'd love for you to be, love for you to understand who we are, what we're doing, what's our affiliation, what's the SBC, what's the MBA, what's the IBSA. When we give to the um, Annie Armstrong Easter offer, who's Annie, okay? Why do we do that? And uh, same thing with who's Lottie, okay? I gave to Lottie last, back in in the beginning of December, who was that about? And understand what we're participating in so that we can be what God has called us to be as a church. So Let's get excited about that, as excited about, about that as the pine Derby. Only you're not going to get any ribbons that day or trophies, okay? So thank you for being here this day. Stand up, turn around, say hi to your neighbor, and then you can make your way out the door. Thank you.